welcome back to this week's episode of Live in Private Staffing. Hope you're all well. Hope you've all had a good couple of weeks. Um, this is going to be a meaty one today. I feel like we're going to have absolutely bags of stuff to talk about. So today on the show, we've got Latricia Friends, who is based over in New York, who has been working in the private sector for a really, really long time now. <laughs> really long time. And is now in a sort of position where um, she uh, is a luxury lifestyle manager, but offers a service to both clients ultra high net with clients and also to candidates who are working in the sector. So um, lot loads to talk about. So welcome to the show, Latricia. How are you? Thank you so much, Philippa. It's great to be here. No problem. Tell us a little bit about you then and where you're based and what you're currently doing. Yeah, so I'm based in New York City. I love it here. In, in, I've been other places, but I always keep coming back to you know, <laughs> home, right? Uh, and I've been in the industry, when you, when you said a long time, I was like, yeah, it really has been. <laughs> quite some time since 2007 and what I offer to to clients um as a luxury lifestyle manager is so New York City is fabulous and wonderful but most people don't live here most people of wealth don't live here full-time right Mm -hmm. great but they don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) but as everyone knows in private service you can't have a property just kind of sits on its own they're very complex there's a lot of things that have to go that have to happen on a regular basis um, so someone has to walk through, check everything out, make sure everything's working. And then when you're coming into town, you want all the goodies and everything that you want to experience the city in its entirety. But that means someone has to go out and shop and arrange for it to be delivered and uh, receive the packages and have everything laid out for you when you arrive. Uh, so my start in 2007, it's been forever it seems, um, actually um, was started with one of the schools. I actually went to Starkey. Um, House, uh, Institute of Household Management here in the States, based in Denver. Um, and it was a fabulous experience. Uh, worked, was placed by them, they also do placement, for uh, fabulous families. Um, and when I returned to New York City, I was looking for something that fit me, uh, really great families who kind of under, understand and accept having service. I think that's the hardest part for some families. They, they want service, but you have to be able to receive it, right? To, to get great service um, and have lucked out to have really great clients that, that get it, understand it, appreciate it, and are welcome, well, and welcoming to having staff take care of them, their belongings, their guests, um, and everything, all the minutiae in their lives so that they can continue to be philanthropic and passionate about the things that excite them, right? Mm, yeah. And so, so when you first started that 2007, you, were you doing what you're doing now where you sort of act on a consultancy basis for numerous clients or did you go into a permanent position off the bat? So off the bat, I went to a permanent position, worked for five years for one family, glorious, lovely family, multiple properties, um, I was their household manager um, at their primary residence and then worked with the villa manager in the Caribbean, the New York City household manager, the winter, you know, residence, you know, property manager to make sure everything worked out. So, you know, the missus changed her shampoo here that had to filter down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All places, right? Or if we decided we're going, okay, instead of 90% organic cleaning products, we're going to go to 98 to 100% with here's what we like, here's what we're using. And if you can't find it, let me source it and push it to you so that when they walk in, everything is what they expect to see. Yeah. Um, and after a couple of, and after five years there, I worked with another family that wasn't quite ready, <laughs> right? You really have to be welcoming and, and ready to have someone come in to take care of all those little bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, so that you can do other things. Uh, and that family wasn't wasn't quite quite ready, almost, but wasn't quite. You know, mm. when you have a couple of housekeepers full time and you have a chef that comes in most of the time and you go, yeah, I need a household manager, but they just weren't quite ready. It's like, hey, I can do with these packages that you want to have sent back. No, 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 I'll take care of it on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, things like that. So you really have to be ready for it. Um, and then when I came back to New York to take care of some family issues, I realized that I, I love the city. Why would I? Why would I not want to be here? Yeah, um, plenty of families and individuals who need assistance, 
I'll, I'll find some, I'll find a great family. It'll, it'll take a minute, but I'll find a great family. And what happened for me is that most of my clients, my, most of my colleagues actually were like, hey, I'm going to be in the Hamptons, but I need someone to receive a rug. We've got a great housekeeper, but it's, it's a little more than just going, yeah, hey, put it on the floor, right? Yeah. Inspect the packaging. They have to roll it out. You have to, you know, so he's like, can you do that for me? And I was like, of course I can. I need Wi-Fi though. I'm doing a job search. <laughs> we yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and more and more of my colleagues were doing that. They're like, I just need someone to work on one project. And, you know, because I'm doing 16 other things. It's like, of course I can take care of that for you. Or uh, my principal just bought, you know, a double wide townhouse on the Upper East Side. There is no way for me to get it all done by myself in time. Will you assist me? Sure, why not? And then through uh, some other connections, I found a, was introduced to a family that needed someone to take care of their penthouse apartment. A pedicure in New York, you know, they're not here that often. Um, and I've been working for them and a couple of other select clients uh, ever since. So it's been, it's been really nice. <laughs> yeah, you're so fortunate because it's quite unusual, I think, what you offer. In the UK, I haven't come across this very often. It's permanent or not at all, really. But I suppose in London, it's a bit different because a lot of the residents here are full-time residences. So it's slightly different. And so house managers are needed there full time. But what a lovely balance for you to have because you've got, it's not all your eggs aren't in one basket. You haven't got one family with everything going on. You've got the variety and the, you know, yeah, the variety of working with, you know, a, a, few, a few families, but on a um, regular basis. So that's a really great little balance you've got. Yeah, it's a really nice balance because luckily, knock on wood, each family, once they arrive, are pretty self-sufficient, right? New York is great. They come, they want to go to the shows, they want to go to Fashion Week, they want to hit all the hot spots, you yeah. know. And, and when they're coming into town, I switched from property manager mode to personal assistant and concierge, right? So let's yeah. get kids, let's get everything arranged for you, let's get all, you know, uh, everything, all the reservations made for you, and you're good to go. I will see them while they're in town, but it's on a as needed or hey, I got an alert. Would you like me to come in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And take care of that issue? Or they're like, yes, of course, we don't, you know, they don't want to take care of it. Um, and they all have different um, interests, right? One is, you know, Mrs. is very into fashion. One, Mr. is very into art. Uh, I have another client who he entertains quite a bit, but mm -hmm. there's usually a lot of space in between that. And I know well in advance when he's having, you know, a weekend extravaganza. <laughs> yeah. Attention versus, oh, you're coming in just for the weekend? Uh, beer and bourbon? That's the kind of weekend we're doing? Great. Or the Mrs., you know, uh, petite charcuterie boards and, you know, li little uh, champagne and rosé for the ladies, you know. So yeah. And so let's touch on a little bit your first job. So I didn't, um, la the last episode that we released was with a candidate who, or a lady who had worked um, her way up. So she basically worked in her hotels. She moved in as a housekeeper. She moved to a senior housekeeper. She moved to a house manager. So by the time she got to house manager, she knew the house inside out. She knew the family inside out. She she was set like that. I think it must be so challenging for someone, for you, if it was your first position to go straight in at house manager level, that must've been such a huge learning curve for you. Well, yes and no. I loved it because I had been doing um, administrative direct, you know, in an office, in a corporate setting. Um, yeah. And I don't, I, every now and then I think the show is still active. I'm not sure um, if you're, if you're, a woman of a certain age like I am, you might remember, there was a show uh, called Beautiful Homes and Great Estates. Um, okay. And basically, it, it was fabulous. And one of them was like, so this is lovely, but that's that's the realtor showing this gorgeous estate, this beautiful modern home, this beautiful historical home. But he's not the person who takes care of it, right? Because for you to come and shoot on a Tuesday, Someone needs to know that uh, we really have to do the lawn mowing on Saturday because it's going to be mm. perfect for, <laughs> for photography yeah. in three days, right? Um, someone had to have the housekeeping go through and lay everything out. Someone had to talk you through all the intricate details and the fine, the fine finishes so that yeah. this, this, uh, this host can talk about the property. I was like, I want that job. That, yeah, that. cool. Um, and I was lucky to be able to, 
I, I took my time. I took about two years due diligence, looking into the industry, talking to people who were uh, personal assistants to high net worth, um, individuals, um, estate managers, major domos. There were a couple of conferences that, you know, I took vacation from work to go to a conference mm -hmm. <laughs> to see what made sense. Um, and to make the transition well, I know I needed that that one little certification. So I took a, I went to um, I went to Starkey um, and took their um, their course. I was also thinking about Tiva. I was like, oh, this will be fabulous. Let's go to Belgium for eight weeks. Let's go to Belgium for eight weeks. Every <laughs> household in New York City and put out a couple of thousand dollars of training. Um, yeah. No, I don't know if I can handle that. Um, <laughs> and and butlers in New, in the other parts of the world versus a household manager, it's not exactly a complete um, exchange, right? It's not a no. one different titles. Um, and what I enjoy, I love working in a formal household, that level of formality, I was like, I don't, you know, I'm still a New Yorker. I'm not sure mm -hmm. if that, that was, oh, that was a great New York accent right there. I'm mm -hmm. not sure <laughs> um, if I want that level of working in this industry. Let's yeah. do household manager and work my way up. Now, technically, uh, a lot of my colleagues are like, you're an estate manager. You have four different properties you manage. You're an estate manager. Yes, but each family sees me as a household manager, personal assistant. Yeah. And, and that's fine. I love that. Because what they all say to me is that we know you have other clients, but it never feels like that to us. And that's, yeah. the, best, that's the best compliment that I can get from, from any of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so obviously you've been in the sector for a long time. What is it specifically you like about working with these kind of clients? Because they can be very demanding. Oh, extremely demanding. Mm. But I like that. I, I've always worked in a role where I never sat at a desk 24, you know, first eight hours, 10 hours a day. There was always some aspect of the job that was in the field, outside, moving around from one office location to another. Mm. I love that. Um, and I love that in private service. No two days are the same. Um, it's interesting. You mentioned someone who worked her way up. I love that. I love when people have uh, a very organic mm. um, evolution to, to their career in private service. Um, I also know that because I talk to so many people uh, across the world, major domos, estate managers, personal assistants, um, executive housekeepers, uh, chef, uh, chefs, drivers, executive protection, everything, yacht crews. Um, mm. Everyone comes into it differently, right? It, yeah. it, for every individual, there is, I believe, a family or two that needs your skill set, right? Most, most private service staff are jacks and jills of all trades. Um, or a couple, but you're really good in two or three. So if you're you're really a, if your uh, your background comes from styling, then I think you can find a great family that's involved with fashion to be involved with. If you know the technical mechanical things are more your um, your forte, then there's a family that's always building, always renovating that needs mm -hmm. your skill set, <laughs> right? So I think it's possible and it's, it's available. Um, people just have to really be clear on what their skills are, really be clear on what they want in their next yeah. post. Um, and then, you know, be ready to make that move um, into that next role. So I, I think that, I think that, if that answers what- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's such a difficult um, industry, I think, to yeah. sort of move around in because I talked about this before, but in, in any other sector, you just need to find a job that matches your skill set. But in this sector, that's very important. But then on top of that, there needs to be the personality fit between you and the family and the rest of the staff as well. And so you could you can manage houses, that's fine. But if you, and there's nothing to be ashamed of, but there were just some families that you're not gonna work well with, just wrong dynamic, different beliefs, different ideas on how they should run, different like cultures and, and you know, all the rest. And so, you know, it's a bit like dating, isn't it? So you need to like have that personality fit along with the sort of skill set fit as well so it's obviously it's, it's a tricky it's a minefield really when you're sort of looking for your next employer and then when recruiters are involved as well that's another layer of, com of com complications because you've got the middleman that needs to understand everything you know 
Yeah. So what I always consider as the, the very unique Venn diagram of my life. So yes, I, I am a certified household manager. I have worked for individual families for you know nice chunk of time, five years, right? There are there are people who have worked for families for much longer. And yeah, bless you all. That's mm. <laughs> um, and I I am a consultant and trainer. So a lot of the time, even though I have you know three solid all the time clients in New York, they're not here. And there's only so much, you know, all the maintenance has been done, all the IT mm. has been updated. What do I do all day? Um, I do train and consult with families because sometimes you get someone and it's just not working out. So I like to, um, my clients there called me their angel in the outfield when I come in and I talk to the Mr. and Mrs. Because there's usually a disconnect somewhere. And then I'll talk to the staff, the housekeeper, the uh, maybe the drivers are, you know, not doing things as well. To just find out where the disconnect is. Yeah. Um, what I tell everyone is that their lives are not going to get less complicated, but at the same time, I'm just amazed how many families are unhappy in their home because yeah. of, because of little things that it's just the there's just a mis, there's a disconnect in what I want as the homeowner and what maybe what I want and what I need don't go hand in hand, but you have to find someone who can bridge that. Yeah, um, and and give them a little bit of leeway to make that happen. That's where wanting to have service and wanting to be able to receive it comes in. Um, so I, so that's a great part. And then because I'm in front of candidates and homeowners all the time, um, I actually have worked with a resume writing service and worked with people to make sure that your skill set, your knowledge, your abilities, your your service heart is really represented well on a piece of paper or a LinkedIn profile um, so that a family goes, oh, Philippa, she'd be great here, right? Mm. But that, you know, because a housekeeper is a housekeeper, yes. But a housekeeper in a six-story Upper East Side townhouse is a little different for a housekeeper for a Connecticut, you know, estate. Because it's just different. Yeah. It's just different. Um, being a household manager um, in California is vastly different than being a household manager. Not different, but the property, the, you know, each property has its own unique environment that you have to work in. A two-story uh, penthouse apartment is different from uh, just outside of San Francisco estate, mm. right? Just little differences. Um, and that when I usually point that out to people, they go, oh, <laughs> Right. It's, it's all the same work, but it's just adapting to differences. And I have lots of colleagues and friends that were like, I couldn't do it in New York. And I was like, it's the best thing. Are you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to CV writing in a minute, because that's something I definitely want to talk about, because there's lots of opinions, whether you use someone like yourself or whether you write your own CV, and we'll talk about how involved you get with that. But just right. to go back a little bit to the service offered to your clients, I think that so many times I speak to clients and who desperately need someone like you a fresh mm -hmm. pair of eyes to come in and assess the situation and bridge the gap and open the lines of communication which is normally the issue um and you know get things working effectively but however like i think that takes a certain level of maturity from the client to ex yes. accept that and bring you in because i can imagine most clients are like you're crap you're fired and they won't even think there was problems in the house. They'll just blame the individuals every single time and they'll keep replacing the individuals and the problems don't go because like you say, it's the difference between the needs and the want of clients and that they, people think they know what they want and they don't, et cetera. And so I like hats off to clients that, you know, can step back from the problem and reach out to a third party to come in and help solve that. Because not many right. people would. And, you know, for me, it stems from the length of time that I've been in the industry. When I first started, um, 2007, agencies usually went into the household and did an assessment, right? So mm -hmm. while Mrs. Smith might say, oh, it's just, you know, it's just four bedrooms and we'd have somebody come in to clean on a regular basis and, you know, but when you actually go and go, okay, see, it's four bedrooms and office, a study, all in suites with mm -hmm. a, a vast collection of name a type of tchotchke right that's a different mode of cleaning <laughs> yeah just having someone to come in and take care of a couple of bedrooms and yeah i you know i noticed you, you mentioned you don't have you know you love to have home cooked meals but you don't have a chef so are you expecting to have a housekeeper also provide meals 
right? Yeah. It's that kind of conversation that happens that I saw happening more then than I do now in 2021, right? Yeah. So the great part about what I do is I, I usually I have a conversation with Mrs. Smith and I talk to her about what she wants and what she needs. And to explain that if you want 24 hours of a service, that's not one housekeeper. It just, no. it, it just can't be, right? Um, it could be two housekeepers, depending on the size of the home and what actually you need, but it's probably three for 24 mm. hours a day service, seven days a week. Um, and here's how it could work. And then you give some options as, you know, not everyone, you know, your lead housekeeper could work Monday through Friday, but it's probably better if somebody works a Saturday and somebody else works a Sunday. So yeah. it's the weekend, but you have continuous service. And what does that look like? You know? Yeah. Um, but, and then they go, oh, I could do it that way. We can do whatever you want, but let's be really clear on, on what that looks like. And the differences of the need and the want. You need a housekeeper, right? Um, but what exactly do you want that to be? Um, and before I mentioned that their lives don't get less complicated, right? So when um, I'm working with a family, you need right now a housekeeper, but in six months, because you're buying another property, right? Do you, need to, do you need a housekeeper who can do a little more, right? Um, and where, where does the household, what does the household look like in a year, right? So let's not hire someone who can do everything you need right now, 100%. Maybe let's hire someone who can do 90 to 95% of what you need now and can grow into what you actually will need in six months, a year, 18 months. Yeah. Um, so that's one part of it. The other part that's really interesting um, is, so Mrs. Smith needs, let's say a chef. And they have, they, in, in the past they had Abby and Abby was great and fine and wonderful. And they had a job description for Abby the chef. They also had a Brandon and a Deborah, right? And now they're looking at a new chef, but they never changed the job description. But here's the deal, in five to seven years, your lifestyle, your lifestyle change, your dietary requirements change, yeah. your nutritional needs change. The job description for Abby, right, was fabulous and wonderful, but that role progressed. It had to. Abby came in, she put in great systems. Abby came in and she wrote up great recipes. Um, you're not going to get someone who cooks like Abby because you're remembering the experience. Nothing will ever come back to be the memory of that experience. It's like me yeah. trying to replicate my grandfather's stovetop cornbread, but it'll never happen. It'll yeah. never be the same because he made it, right? And it's a 40-year-old memory. So yeah, yeah. Be right. So if you're trying to replicate a, a, a person and their role from a job description from five years ago, and you've never updated the job description, you're, you're not going to be happy, right? So, yeah. so let's, let's redo the job description. Let's rethink about what you actually need and where you're going, right? Because the needs of Mrs. Smith, now that she has two children, right, is vastly different than Mrs. Smith when she and Mr. Smith just got married, right? So yeah. Yeah, you, the, your, your role has changed, your nutritional needs have changed, the household has changed, that job description and what you actually need in that person in the role has to be different. So getting people into the idea that it's never going to be, it's never going to be Chef Abby. It will never yeah. be. And here's the thing, Chef Abby's not the same person either. She shouldn't be. You should have learned something. You should have taken a couple of stages somewhere. There, mm -hmm. there, there has to have been some growth and personal, you know, changes to, you know, how you feed and how you source food, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, you, you couldn't even get Abby back now to be the Abby that you've had. Yeah, so true. It's so true as well. And so often we'll get a call from a client and they're like, my fabulous house manager, David's leaving. I need another David. Just get me the David. And it's like, and then she'll, they'll start interviewing. He's not like David. No, no, right. You can't have another David. There is, there is no other David unless he has some clone somewhere. So right. let's, look at, let's look at the skills David had that worked well in your house. And right. let's look to replicate the skills. You don't need to have another middle-aged white man because you, we do it all the time. We, we only want Filipino housekeepers. Why is that? Well, because the last one's Filipino, she was great. Yeah, okay, so let's look at the qualities that that housekeeper gave you. You don't only need Filipino housekeepers. There are lots of other housekeepers that can do the job very well. But let's talk about the skills or the traits that that particular housekeeper had, nationality aside, 
and replicate that. And educating clients in this industry is one of the most difficult things to do. Probably slightly easier for you because they're paying you for your for right. you to educate them. Oh, it's still difficult. We're just, we're just annoying to them. Um, but it's so good. Do you generally find that the houses, the houses that you go in to help to consult on this basis, do they generally not have a house manager? So therefore they need someone like yourself or, or does it work if this house manager is there but still needs a little bit of external input? Yeah, it, it really depends. Um, I've, I've had both things happen, right? Because unfortunately for both the employer side and the employee side, people get a little comfortable right? Mm. People get a little comfortable in their role. People get a little, a little complacent. Um, and at the time that myself or someone like me is brought in, the, the, they're starting to see that there could be other things going on. Now, do all employers recognize that it could be them? Not me. Mm. Um, and that's just, that's just the nature of, of things. Um, what's interesting is what I point out to homeowners, to principal employers, that your home your sanctuary is someone else's work location. Mm. And usually that's a, huh, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, so there's certain things that kind of have to happen. It is your home, yes. You should have mm. everything you want from it. But it, it, it's their work. When, when they leave you, they mm. go home, right? So this is a work location. Let's have the equipment they need, the supplies they need, the structure they need to do it mm. well. I, I've gone into homes to train housekeepers. I'm like, Let's take a minute and just look at your equipment and the stuff that comes out. Mm. I'm like, this, this is a um, a five gallon paint bucket, you know, from forever ago, and you know, there's duct tape holding the the handle mm. together. I'm like, so the first thing we're gonna do, mm. <laughs> like, she she can't clean if she doesn't have the proper equipment. And really, with these floors, the imported uh, Amazon Amazon hardwood, the the granite floor. Do you really want her dragging around a five-gallon mm. bucket of water? Can, can we can we just think mm. about what works best, right? Um, what new tools and and a little bit of training on new tools that'd be great mm. for not only where your house is today, but okay, the kids are six and eight. They're only going to get involved with more activities, cleats running around on the floors, more things going on. Let's have someone who can evolve with the family. Right. Yeah. Who is coachable and trainable on new on new methods and you know and actually sometimes it's the old methods. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Water and a simple soap and a couple of cotton and microfiber rags. Really, that's all you need. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know the floor guy said to use this, but let's kind of think about you know yeah, yeah, yeah. everything that has to happen in the home. Yeah. This is all really good, I think, because I think for people to get the most out of your employees, I think you need to be ensuring that they are continually learning and developing. And so actually, it's going to be really good, I think, to bring in once a year, once every whatever, then someone like yourself to come in, do a review and just make sure that things are running as efficiently as possible. Right. And any opportunity to get somebody in to look at new methods, different methods like that is only going to um, help engage that member of staff and excite the member of staff, keep the passion there, you know, so... So they can keep up. So they can keep up with you. Actually, I yeah. tell when I when I when I work with uh, new families and they go, well, maybe we just start fresh. You could sweep the whole house and start fresh, all new staff. But let's not hire the staff that you need right now. Let's hire someone who can grow with you because, like, think about fashion. Um, textiles have changed that. You know, one item can have three different materials in it, right? Yeah. Yet your housekeeper who takes care of the clothes or bless if you blessings upon blessings if you actually can find a great laundress. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a skill set yeah. that the industry is quickly lo losing. But take some time and let her let her or him learn about these new fabrics and what's going on. Everything doesn't have to go to the dry cleaners every time. Mm. But if she doesn't have an understanding of the fact that the latest and greatest fashion houses are putting four and five different materials into um, a garment and how to best do that, that, that takes some, that need, just like a chef, right? You want yeah. new, great, you know, great different um, methodologies and things. But maybe when you're traveling, the chef doesn't go with you the whole time. They can do a stage someplace, right? Mm. Or they can take a CIA, a Culinary Institute of America class somewhere. 
or they can just take, you know, travel to Mexico and, you know, mm. sit with her grandmother at the side of her mm. of the road and learn how she makes, you know, the best damn tortillas mm. in the world. That has that, that time uh, and the value, the, the, the cost for those things has to kind of be built in. Um, I find that families who have companies, have built companies, they they understand that right because your CFO has to have qualifications. Yeah, your your in um, house counsel has certain um, industry. Uh, uh, what's the term? Um, continuing education that they have to do right, mm -hmm. and you understand that right. The private service industry doesn't necessarily have that model, but I find that families who kind of build and own companies have a, a, a much better understanding of that once it's pointed out to them because they go, oh, yeah. right, right, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So. And they're also used to um, having staff in a working mm -hmm. environment, hiring, training, nurturing, et cetera. So yeah. even though it's in their home environment, they are, they have the appreciation of stuff around them and, you know, mutual respect. So just sort of move on then, So I'm conscious of sure. time. So we've talked a lot about the services you offer for the clients and the benefits to the clients and anyone listening that, you know, needs that, that's brilliant. Because I don't talk, I don't know many people that offer that kind of service to clients. I think it's fantastic. You also offer a very, you know, helpful service to candidates when it comes to uh, career, CV writing, career coaching, interview prep, et cetera. So when it comes to CVs writing, so can someone come to you and say, write my CV for me, or do you just help coach them when they write their own CVs? One or, one or the other, it depends on what, what's needed. Um, okay. I usually try to have a conversation with uh, someone first, 15 minutes, kind of get, you know, gauge where you are, what you're doing, may even ask for your, your current resume, even if you've not yeah. several years, just to kind of have an idea of what you're looking for. Um, most people, manager level, like household manager, butlers, estate manager, chiefs of staff, if I give them some direction, can usually go ahead and do it on their own. They might then work with me on an editing basis to kind of figure yeah. out. Though I must admit 90% of the time they go, I don't have time for you. Mm. I'll pay you to do this, right? Um, which is fine. Um, I do uh, work with a couple of local um, recruiters and we, we do conversations on and, you know, Zoom webinars on you know what to you know how to structure your resume the information that's really important um and how to lay it out so that it's eye-catching and all the information that a recruiter or a hiring manager a household manager in a family um and the employer is going to really gravitate towards right yeah because you know abby the chef and brandon the chef when i look at it what's the difference? What really pulls it out, you know, for me? Is it the, it's the quantifiable information, right? The fact that you, you take care of, you know, three meals a day and weekend food and X number of events per quarter or year gives me a better understanding of what you're, um, what you're capable of, right? What you're used mm -hmm. to dealing with versus, you know, I, I work from a chef, but are you a chef in a household that has, you know, three different dietary needs and nutritional structures, um, and heavy entertaining, because then mm -hmm. I can look at it as a hiring manager or a principal employer and go, okay, so Brennan and Abby both have it, but Abby really lays it out and what she's done is really in line with how we entertain, how our household functions. I might want to talk to both of them, but Annie, Abby's looking like the number one person, you know, mm -hmm. right? So you want to lay it out to give as much information as possible. Um, and then with other candidates, what I, you know, uh, I, the last week or so I've met with two candidates who spent 20 years with one employer, which is fabulous. Um, but you've been on the other side of that desk hiring for quite some time. How do you, you know, how do you now answer those questions when you're the candidate and not the hiring manager, mm -hmm. right? It takes a little time to, to kind of decompress from working for a family for 20 years. I, I say any, anything over three years, you do need some time to kind of shed the aesthetic that you have taken on on behalf of your employer, right? I can walk into any of my clients' faces um, and know that something's out of whack only because I spend so much time there. I can also direct any one of them to a certain cabinet, shelf, <laughs> and where on the shelf defines anything because I spend so much time there. Once you have that, it does take some time to let that go 
and be per, be a great candidate for the next role. Yeah, as family. Um, but having that come, you know, having those conversations, kind of figuring out how to tell your story. Uh, when you mentioned someone who went from hospitality to housekeeper to senior housekeeper, mm. the household manager, how do you tell that story? And it's in, in as much of its entirety that you can in three to five sentences mm. with a smile on your face, because there's so much information there, right? And as the candidate, as the job seeker, I want to give you everything. But as the household manager, as the hiring manager, I just want the bits and pieces that pertain to me. Mm. And we only have a 30 minute call. So, you know, you know, starting to figure out what that looks like and how to tell that story um, and tell a story in a way that leaves them going, oh, wait, so Sarah, tell mm. me more. So now you can take that three to five sentences and expand it another three to five sentences, right? Because you've engaged them in your story. Um, it, it takes a little time to do that. Can people do that on their own? 100%. Um, but guidance is important. Um, we just got finished watching the uh, the Olympics uh, in yep. 20, 2020 Olympics in 2021. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And let's be honest, every triathlete, every um, triathlon athlete has a running coach, a, a swimming coach, and a cycling coach. They have a nutrition coach. More than likely, they have somebody guiding them in how to do their finances. Um, yeah. The, the great... Um, captains of industry that we all work for, they have a life coach. They have a trainer that comes to their house. Why don't, why don't we ask for guidance in something that's not quite my forte? I am a deal of, all, of a lot of trades, not all, but some things just aren't, it, 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 it's not gonna sink in, it's gonna take too long. Why wouldn't you hire a professional who lives and breathes it all day long to help guide you through a, a short or long-term project yeah. For the betterment of you, your career, and in some cases, the industry. Would you not do that? Yeah, so true. And especially Brits, because Brits are notoriously bad at um, selling themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're a negative bunch over here and like everything's fairly grey and miserable all the time. But um, people are generally are um, not confident when it comes to presenting themselves. And you have one chance. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that so that CV is ever so difficult to put you and your personality along with your experience on a piece of paper. And I think most people's um, difficulty when they've got a long career is how do I condense it and what do I include and what do I not include? I would I always think it depends on what you're replying to. And I think and I don't know what you believe. In fact, what do you believe? Do you do you agree with um, tailoring CVs per application per job? Or are you quite happy with an all-rounded CV that's going to be a blanket approach? So there is a difference between a CV and a resume from my point of view. Okay, um, what's that? So I, am, I am American and most, most industries in the United States require a resume. One or two pages. Yeah. Um, the industry standard is about one page for every 10 years, right? But yeah. it, it really depends. Um, and a CV in the United States is... Um, usually we're uh, restricted, not always, to highly technical, scientific, law, medical, engineering, ah. entertainment resume is closer to a CV because you can have multiple pages. You want, so there's so much more detail that goes into it, right? For a physician's CV, we can easily do three pages because you're gonna reference publications, you're gonna reference peer reviews, you're gonna reference the training, the continuing education that medical professionals, lawyers, um, and CPAs, certified public accounts have to go through, that you can push it three pages or more. That's a CV because it's a curriculum vitae. It's your lifelong career, right? It's everything. But a resume is a snapshot of your knowledge, skills, and abilities. It is, it is finite. It is one to two pages. And it's the things that are most important um, for your audience. So are you writing your resume for a recruiter, for a hiring manager, for the principal employer, for what type of job, right? Most estate managers and butlers have a very a wide variety of skills, but if your top skills are administration, mechanical systems, and construction, you want to highlight that, right? Mm. Um, if your top skills are finance, collection management, 
and I don't know, human resources, because you work for a family that just had lots and lots of staff, you want to highlight that. Now, are there mm-hmm. other terms and um, bullet points that, you know, show the roundedness, the, the a deeper uh, depth of your career? Yes. But if you're, why would you not highlight those things that, that make you who you are, that you are the absolute best at, right? If you also have, you know, some history or experience with uh, a question, you know, lifestyle, we can fit that in somewhere, maybe. If it's important, if it's important and the role you're applying for is on a ranch or mm-hmm. they, they own horses and maybe it makes sense for you to have some understanding of the language and the reporting that's gonna come across your desk, yes, then let's mention that. But if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're applying for a role in New York City, no. it's relevant it's yeah. not necessary it's yeah nice, exactly you know but it's not necessary and, and that's the hardest part with people I tell them this is going to hurt but we have to call this back we have to be surgical in our you know editing of 20 years of experience right so. it's also it's also not a bad thing to hold some back because if you hold a bit back and the principal is interested in interviewing you from what they see then they're going to be so interested when you turn up and there's so much more to you you know you're keeping some cards up your sleeves and you're you, the last thing you want to do is turn up and disappoint and so if you've hold some stuff that you can turn up and just layer on the extra things that you've got that they're not yet aware of um it's only going to strengthen no you in, right no yeah. one when to talk about the fact that you grew up on uh, a farm in idaho or that mm. you spent your formative years growing up um, in New Zealand. Well, yeah, maybe it makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, but it, you just, it's just how to do it. Like for example, the, the absolute, there are two who I consider the absolute best candidates in the world to work with. One are enlisted aides. Enlisted aides in the United States, I, I think other countries have it as well, are the men and women who serve three, four and five star general, generals across the armed forces. Um, and they do everything. They're executive protection, they're drivers, they're the administrative, uh, you know, powerhouse. They, they take care of the valet, they will cook, they will, you know, do everything necessary for that officer. Mm-hmm. But still, there's one or two things that you excel at, and let's talk about that, right? But I mm-hmm. love them because they can fit in anywhere at any time. The other side of that is if you've worked on a yacht, Damn it, if you worked on a yacht somewhere, you, especially interior, you have this skill set that can almost take you anywhere because you're literally working on a floating mansion, right? Yeah. All the same mechanicals, systems, fine finishes, care of fine finishes, wardrobe, in the salty air, moving from point A to point B in a day, right? <laughs> so, yeah. You know, those are just two really great skill sets, I think, that can almost write their ticket, but they still need to lay it out in a way that a homeowner goes, oh, military to civilian, high-end luxury, and mm, from the sea to actually being landbound, and that you can do that, and, mm. you know, that you can walk away from the wandering, you know, mm. lifestyle, and, and, and be somewhere. So I, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing for me. Helping do you reco- Yeah, do you recommend candidates put a headshot on the top of their resume? <sighs> I think it's whatever is best for your audience. If, you work, if you're working with an agency that requires it, be prepared for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've come up in the industry where they didn't have it, but when you walked into an agency, before you left from your interview, they took a they took a headshot, right? Yeah. And, and most agencies, when they get your resume, no matter how beautifully we format it, they're gonna reformat it to be on Silver Swan's letterhead, right? To be on ABC agencies, you know, format and structure. So yeah, you put a lot of time and energy into it, or you pay someone to put a lot of time and energy into it, and it's gonna get chopped up anyway. So the headshot is very similar for me. Be prepared to have one ready, right? Yeah. Be prepared to have a resume that has it on it and a resume that doesn't have it on it. You know, it's really easy to, to embed a photo yeah. um, and give you a copy of each. Um, and be prepared with a conversation like this that someone's taking a screenshot because mm. it's going to happen. Will they tell you it happens? Probably not. But what mm. I usually warn people is that, that you know, if, as a recruiter, you see, what, 20 people a day? Like, yeah. 
Um, the only, sometimes the only way for you to keep it together is to take a quick screenshot yeah. and say, oh yes, that was, that was Joe. That makes sense. That was Latricia. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then ask for one, right? But more than likely I tell me, I get into a lot of conversations with people that go, well, there, it, it's illegal for them to take a screenshot. I take screenshots all day long. What are you yeah, because you can. Yeah. You and ultimately, yes. no, and ultimately, I think from the photo point of view, like a, a, peer, a presentation is important in the home, especially a more formal home, whether you like it or not. And the principal, you can tell a lot from a photo and the principal often likes to know what you look like before you come print of you. And actually you're saving you a lot of time because if you turn up with bright purple hair and a nose piercing and it's an immediate no, you may as well have known it was a no two weeks ago and not be dragged across to New York for an interview. So, um, but the, yeah. I think those people, those people that have an issue with it are those people that are concerned that they're gonna be uh, not concerned because of it, but it needs to be right from the personality, from the skills, to be, but all of it needs to be right for the principal, whether you like it or not. So you may as well lay it all out on the table, provide the photo and, we all know where we stand, you know. It's it's we're in an industry where it's unavoidable, I think. In an industry where it's unavoidable and one of the few, like the last place where they can tell you the recruiter, oh, I want a chef. And then you'll give them, you know, three or four chefs look at and they go, oh, but it has to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Now, in corporate America, in mm-hmm. the federal government, in most nonprofit locations, you can't do that. No. But this is one of the few places where it's still and you still get the icky feeling like really yeah okay gender requests um at minimum age maximum ages yeah. uh ethnicity. certain nationalities are preferred yeah. ethnicity and ethnicity not so much further well language is fair enough but but then a lot of it is cultural reasons especially with the female male rate uh balance etc you know right. if you're working with a middle eastern family and you're working with the lady of course so you can get away with that but it is it's one of those industries where if you're in the industry, people understand it. But if you're moving from a corporate world to the in, to the industry, oh god, well you just can't broach it because it's just so awkward. But we, everyone listening, we're all in the same boat. Everybody understands. It's just the personal preference of the family, and they can pick and choose who they want. And if you don't like the reason that you're too old or whatever, and they'll just tell you, they'll give you a different reason, whatever. There'll be a reason. So you either have the honest reason from them, or you have the dishonest reason from them. But you're yeah. still rejected either way. Um, just yeah, that's why I, the, the picture part, I kind of go, eh, because nowadays people do this, right? Yeah. So before you have a conversation with someone or introduce them um, yeah. to a, a principal client, you will have an on, a quick online little chat with them. Yeah. Um, so you, you're able to see if they have purple hair or, or 16 piercings on their face. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It helps, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, I don't think I've ever received a photo and thought, Nah, you just get you can just get unsuitable photos. You still you get photos of people with smoking and beers and bikinis, and it's just like, come on. Can I give you the best tip for for, yeah. for photos? So I've learned this from someone else. Um, the the best photos for anyone. Um, a brick wall. For some reason, everyone, regardless of skin tone, age, wrinkles, no, everyone looks great against brick, red brick, brick paint, white. What I don't know what it is about brick everyone looks great against brick or evergreen not a fake green wall but so many places nowadays most great hotels or even corporate buildings at least in new york city have a green wall somewhere Mm. um and everyone looks great against ivory or evergreens you know if if you have a great place outside um it's just every regardless so i always tell people if you've worked with me you've heard me say this go out for brunch with your best friend before the mimosa, take 20 pictures, not two pictures, 20 pictures, get some fabulous wall, not necessarily art, nothing bright, loud, and colorful, but brick or evergreens or like a living green wall of ivory or something, um, 20 photos, and then go have brunch, and then send me your best of those 20, and I'll help you narrow it down to what works well for LinkedIn or your resume or to send to, to Philippa for um for your headshot yeah brilliant brilliant well look I'm, I'm we could literally talk like oh, for no. days um do you generally typically just work with american people candidates or clients do you have you worked with europeans looking for cv support right. so i've worked with um resume uh clients all over the world chefs sitting on a on a boat in the mediterranean housekeepers yeah. on uh in soho in manhattan it, it doesn't matter where you're at uh, for my clients as a consultant or trainer, 
Um, there are several other people in the States that do this as well. And we know each other. So I mostly handle Manhattan. I'll go in, in other places. Um, but, you know, I know Manhattan like the back of my hand. I know all the service suppliers here. I know most neighborhoods really intimately to tell you where to go to get things. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I understand the, the population of, of, of service staff here. It's a lot of immigrants. And so I, I understand, you know, both the, the homeowner and the candidate, you know, pools. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I have can my my families are most of my my clients are in California and Miami, and they're like, can you come down and do something for us for a week? I'll go to San Francisco mm -hmm. for a week. I'll, I'll yeah. go to LA for like three days, but I'm a New Yorker, and so <laughs> I can make it happen. I'll go to Miami for three weeks, so, you know, easy. But that's because it's close to New York. It's more of a New York vibe. Other parts of the world. Not the same. <laughs> yeah, no, fair. But it, but it's nice from a Canada point of view because it's the Canada. It's probably in this market coming out of the pandemic that are on the market looking for work, wanting a CV to stand out. Um, and you know, and 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 it's so good that we're all working virtually now, and we're all sort of jumping on Zooms and stuff. So it's great that's available to everybody. So. Um, are people best coming to you directly through LinkedIn? Because we'll be tagging you when we release this. Is that the best way for people to get in touch with you? It's the best way is LinkedIn. Yes. Fab. Good, good, good. Um, so what we'll do is we'll get this put out and we'll tag Latricia uh, in all of the sort of posts because I think the service that you offer is fantastic to both clients, to both candidates. And anyone listening who would like to talk to you about anything that we've discussed, would like your services, um, 100% reach out. And I think now is the time more than ever where you need to be working on yourself, your own journey, how you're presenting yourself, what jobs you're going for, where you're looking, what you're doing, etc. And, you know, we've only touched on a certain part of the job hunting process here, just sort of CV side of things. But we could go forever you know we can always talk again in the future on more things i know you do a lot of work on clubhouse i could come join you potentially there because yes, then there's there's lots of work lots of things to talk about when it comes to preparing for interviews where you should be job putting what you should be doing etc so lots of sort of advice out there and lots of sort of support people like yourselves can give so i'm going to let you get on with your day um it's my evening here it's your morning there so i thought <laughs> you'd let you get on with your day but i wanted to thank you very much for your time coming on and sharing your sort of skills and knowledge with us and um, thank you to everybody for listening once again i hope you all have a good couple of weeks and i look forward to talking to you again uh, in in a fortnight thank thanks you, everybody Papa.